today we are going to talk to Candice Blom from the Humane Society International South Africa. As we all know, um, Humane Society International advances the welfare of animals in more than 50 countries. So they do an awful lot with so many various um, cruelty rescue aspects. Um, it, it's a huge society and it does depend upon people supporting them like most charities. However, they are there. They're there in war zones, they're there in the, the real hardship cases. And this is something new we're going to talk about today. Um, so welcome to Candice Blom. And we're going to talk about farming today, aren't we? Yes, we are. And thank you so much for having me today. That's an absolute pleasure. We don't do enough about farm animals, really. We don't link them into the other animals. So this is really important. And hopefully we're going to have a bit of a chat. And you've got a lovely new initiative, which helps people and animals and wildlife, which is always a great win-win-win for climate as well. Um, so, Candice, now you have, have um, got a statement, and I think it's quite important people hear this statement. So if you wouldn't mind letting people know you know your statement and what we're going to talk about that would be lovely yes thanks Yvonne um so South Africa is experiencing um load shedding at the moment um so that's basically for up to 10 hours a day we have these rolling blackouts where we have um absolutely no power or electricity whatsoever and um, there's, there's been a number of articles um, that have come out on the economic losses and the price increases of the food due to the load shedding. And really what's been overlooked is uh, the welfare of these animals and the suffering that's taking place um, because they are dependent on power, basically, because they're, they're kept in these artificial situations. So when, when we talk about power, and blackouts you know everybody's minds don't go immediately to farming so and, and it also affects how disease outbreaks occur and obviously when there's droughts as well um there's a whole host of issues affecting south africa at the moment so what are what's the cause of all the blackouts so the, the cause of the the blackouts is due to our um for infrastructure, um, basically. Um, so yes, recent and previous disastrous events have proven that the current South African food system is unsustainable for both people and animals. These events include years of extreme weather conditions such as flooding, extreme heat and water shortages, but also, as you mentioned, zoonotic disease outbreaks like African swine fever, avian influenza, and of course, COVID-19. And finally, now also power outages, or as I said before, what we call load shedding. Load shedding is causing a crisis within our food system due to the heavy reliance of farmed animals um, that they're forced to have on these artificial systems. And over 1 billion farmed animals are killed for food in South Africa every year. Many of these animals live their lives in factory farms, unnatural facilities relying on intensive confinement of animals and mechanical processes for production. I'm guessing mm. that for one billion farm animals in a country that has suffered drought, you know, everybody's seen on the news, that that means that all the farm feed is being imported as well. A lot of our farm feed is imported, yes. So they're confined. There's a huge drought in the country. And 
um, obviously, you know, load shedding is a term that not many people have heard of. Can you just explain what the term means, please? So because of our poor infrastructure um, and lack of maintenance, um, we have this energy crisis. And so what the government has done is they've limited the amount of electricity that uh, we can use. And so we have these rolling blackouts of up to two to four hours, uh, multiple times a day, sometimes up to 10 hours a day. And um, different areas go off at different times during the day. So we actually have a schedule that says, okay, your area, you will be off from 8 until 10.30, from 3 until 5.30, and perhaps, again, from 10.30 until midnight. And different areas will be um, without power at different times during the day. So it is a significant problem. Um, you know, if it's very hot, then, you know, these farms have got to think of another way to keep animals cool. I mean, it's a bit surprising that, you know, they're not rushing for some solar energy or rushing for something to you know, stop animals dying, but that's probably not the case. Um, so what is HSI in Africa doing to improve the welfare of farmed animals? You know, what are your goals? What strategies do you employ to achieve them? Well, many of the larger commercial um, producers are actually using generators, but that's extremely expensive. And the general manager of the South African Poultry Association's broilers unit said that, and I quote, if load shedding occurs, ventilation stops in the absence of generators or an alternative electricity system being immediately activated and birds can die in as little as 45 minutes. He goes on to say companies that do not have generators can have up to 10,000 birds hanging on shackles in the abattoir not being processed. These birds are lost and disposed of during load shedding due to the lack of cooling and potential food safety issues. So really, the poultry industry seems to be the hardest hit. And this is because of the unnatural fast growth rate of the chickens and the rapid turnaround time in the broiler industry. So load shedding's impact on farmed animals has really just made it clear yet again that there's an urgent need to move away from these artificial animal production systems and transition towards a more sustainable, inclusive and resi resilient food system. So I think this is something that even would appall anybody that at meat for any reason that you could have an animal hanging for 45 minutes um, and then at the end of it, you know, it's absolutely, you know, their, their corpse is unfit for human consumption anyway. You know, it's unfit for dog food. It's unfit for anything. And then, of course, there's got to be the disposal of all the bodies very safely in a hot country. So maybe that's going to give our listeners something to think about as well. You know, not in a horrible way, but just, you know, it, it's another, you know, aha moment that, oh, we didn't realise that was happening really. So what is HSI doing? Um, are you working with the industries or, you know, what are you, or are you trying to raise, raise awareness? You know, what, what are you doing to, you know, try and combat this in any way, shape or form? Well, globally, over 92 billion land animals are raised for food every year, with the vast majority kept in operations that are more factories than farms. Um, and in these intensive industrialized systems, animals are raised in extremely confined conditions that ignore most of their basic needs and welfare, resulting in significant physical and psychological pain and suffering for most of their lives. So in South Africa alone, 94% of all egg-laying hens are confined to battery cages, and over two-thirds of the pregnant pigs spend their gestation periods in small crates. 
So HSI's Farm Animal Protection Program concentrates on two main objectives. Firstly, we work to institute higher welfare for the animals in food production, especially in confined operations. And secondly, we aim to increase the availability of delicious plant-based alternatives to ultimately reduce the number of animals suffering in factory farms. How has it been um, taken on board by any of the farmers? You know, has there been any inroads into improving the animal welfare? Very little. Uh, we find that the South African um, pork producers organization are a little bit more open to it. Um, they see that better welfare conditions, uh, in other words, um, not keeping the animals in crates, but rather in group housing, is far more beneficial to the pigs. And they see that there is pressure from consumers for higher welfare conditions, um, not only in South Africa, but globally. However, the South African Poultry Association doesn't feel this way at all. Their focus is really on the production of cheap uh, meat and eggs. And um, they think that this close confinement and intensive agriculture is a necessity. It's, I mean, it's something that, you know, obviously us in other countries don't really know about too much. But is is the mindset in South Africa changing? You know, are enough people, do you think, um, more willing to embrace a plant-based idea? I think it is. I think definitely um, globally it's changing and South Africa is no different. Um, but we are different in that we have a very... Um, poor population who unfortunately have to consider pricing um, of their food products. But what we're really trying to do is encourage a move away from animal protein into plant-based protein, rather than bringing animal protein prices down and bringing, just basically ignoring the uh, animal welfare that needs to come into that. Is South Africa um, doing more in the plant-based market, I mean, are there more startups? You know, I kind of think of Kenya with all the greenhouses and everything else trying to, you know, I know they're they're suffering at the moment as well, but trying to get, you know, you, even in the UK supermarkets, I can pick up some beans and it will say coming from Kenya. You know, is South Africa trying to do the similar kind of thing? Because you think with all, you know, there is of the plus to the heat and the sunshine, you know, can they use hydroponics? Can they do stuff like that? You know, do you think there's any inroads there? There's definitely a move towards um, hydroponics and um, smaller uh, emerging farmers doing smaller community gardens, uh, locally produced food. Um, there's a lot of plant-based restaurants popping up all over the place. And then we've got our uh, cultivated meat options as well. We have a couple of companies in South Africa um, being quite innovative in that respect as well. Oh, that's good. So there is positivities coming out of there as well. So hopefully, you know, your Green Monday campaign, um, which I think is amazing. Um, I'll let you I'll let you talk about it. You obviously know more about it than me, but the the information I've seen on it, I think, you know, we could all do with one of these programs. Do you want to tell us more about it? So currently the foods we consume globally rely heavily on animal-based ingredients, which can be more difficult to produce under challenging conditions, as we've seen with COVID-19, disastrous weather events, as well as our current energy crisis. These events may prevent producers of animal proteins from pursuing a business-as-usual approach in the coming years, which could result in food unavailability and job losses. 
Producing more plant-based food offers new opportunities to replace their livelihoods, depending on animal agriculture. Production of and consumption of more plant-based foods that are preferably locally produced can also improve public health, lessen our carbon footprint, curb food insecurity, and improve the diet conditions of farmed animals. So HS Africa's Green Monday campaign was launched in 2015 to encourage public institutions, corporates, governments, and the general public to reduce their consumption of animal proteins and replace them with plant-based alternatives. The campaign provides culinary training to chefs on cooking and serving delicious plant-based meals and helps them implement and maintain their campaign in the long run. We have seen many successes. Sorry, so you're really getting in from the top because the food service professionals um, are the ones that influence us. You know, they influence our ideas for meals. So you're actually trying to engage everybody together, which is quite a task. It is quite a task. Um, and actually, our um, my colleague, Yosette, runs this campaign and she's doing a great job. And it's very rewarding after you've Good. trained all those chefs up and, you know, they've really taken it on and taken an interest and ready to go out there and provide um, delicious plant-based meals to the rest of the people that they work with. That's really good. I've seen some um, South African chefs actually on YouTube doing plant-based channels and they've been really good. And I have to say with all, I mean, obviously, you know, in a warmer country, the, the plus is you get a much nicer range of fruits and vegetables and some of us who don't have, you know, that growing capability. And it is yes. cheerful. It is cheerful to see, you know, what they do. And it gives, especially for, for, you know, everybody likes something different, you know, apart from their, you know, standard cuisine. It's why you go on holiday, isn't it? You always enjoy ordering something different off the menu. So your chefs can then take that and basically it gives them a startup in life that they can go on social media and go anywhere and they can show off their skills, can't they? Exactly, yes. And we've seen many successes in some of South Africa's top universities and corporate kitchens who have implemented the campaign, reducing their procurement of animal proteins by 20%. Oh, that is quite significant. That is very good. Um, especially as well, you know, who World Health Organization is always telling everybody um, there are growing weights, uh, growing rates of obesity. Um, obviously, we all know that all links to chronic diseases, and especially in these days of trying to avoid the next pandemic, it's yes. even more significant in climate times. And, you know, when our bodies are dealing with stress, when we had um, in the UK, I mean, you're going to probably laugh at this from South Africa, but when we had 38, nearly 40 degrees, you know, we're, we're all like, how do we take this? It's, we're just not used to it. However, we need to be fit and healthy to take all this. What, you know, if you live somewhere where you suddenly get extremes of cold you need to be able to cope with it and take it these days so being healthy is about our greatest defense for anybody isn't it yes exactly and um you know just just elaborating on that a little bit humans aren't unique in our suffering and response to trauma so an animal who undergoes procedures such as beak trimming or toe clipping castration tail docking dehorning or branding without anesthesia will experience a terrible amount of suffering in the same way that we would and these are all mostly routine procedures in industrial animal agriculture. And when we imagine being confined in tiny spaces, we can understand that animals such as egg-laying hens cramped in battery cages and pigs stuck in crates will feel frustration, boredom, anxiety, and also depression in the same way that we do. In fact, we experienced something similar during lockdown when we were isolated in our homes. 
And animals also experience psychological stress in factory farms. And when they do, we don't often see them expressing any sensations. Just like us in times of distress, they tend to go in survival mode and could appear numb or essentially shut down. But when animals are free to experience life in their natural habitat or in a safe sanctuary after being saved from one of these factory farms, we see them thrive and express different personality traits and characteristics as the individual beings that they are. So it's really important to remember that these animals are sentient and they are aware of sensations such as pain and pleasure. And basically they can they can also experience joy. Um, and there's a lot of scientific evidence to support this. And some animals may even experience pain more intensely than humans do. And that's according to one of the most well-known biologists, Richard Dawkins. So when we talk about temperature changes and things like that, the animals are experiencing that just as we would. So if we were confined in a building um, and reliant on artificial um, uh, power supplies to maintain temperature, and all of a sudden that was switched off, we would suffer just like the animals are suffering at the moment. I think the difference is we can go and sort it out. You know, those animals are actually stuck. Um, you know, if we were stuck in a room and we couldn't reach the thermostat, we couldn't reach the tap, exactly. we couldn't reach food, we couldn't see sunlight, it would literally um, do immense damage to every part of our mental and physical health. And exactly. farmers have done a huge job of somehow putting a wall up between how we see farm animals and how we see pets. And there is no difference. You know, pigs are smarter than dogs. And I've seen pigs literally frozen solid on slaughter trucks. Um, we've also seen them gasping and panting and dying on slaughter trucks in extreme heat. I think mm. somehow we've got to get the message across that if you've got a load of dogs, horses, cats, dogs, monkeys, hippos, whatever, on a truck in a temperature extreme, any one of them is going to suffer. And it's breaking down those barriers, isn't it, somehow? Exactly. It's um, We suffer from cognitive dissonance. Um, and so we're just, we're completely disconnected from them as, as individual beings. That That is something that the plant-based world, hopefully, I mean, we can't, we can't fix everything overnight and we do need to fix a lot quickly because of the climate crisis and people need food. Um, I, I, sometimes it, I think it helps that when we see good food, you know, that's made plant-based in a sort of happy, positive way and people know that it is supporting farmers, somehow I think maybe that breaks down that barrier a little bit. They sort of allow themselves to see farm animals as, you know, as the individuals they are, you know, as they would look at, their, you know, someone's dog or, you know, someone's horse or something. You know, they don't immediately look at those animals and think food. So the the program that you're running, um, is that that's just in South Africa? Will HSI put that in other countries? Uh, no, it's not just in South Africa. Oh, okay. Um, they're, they're called different, uh, the programs are called slightly different things in um, different countries. So ours is a Green Monday specifically. Um, but if anyone is interested in moving towards a more plant-based diet or implementing the Green Monday campaign or whatever it would be called in, in one of the other countries at school or university or place of work, um, you can contact HSI via hsi.org. 
Oh, that's brilliant. So let's give people what they can do, because now we know that power um, doesn't, you know, when we're talking climate and we're talking world problems, isn't just about getting from A to B in a car. It actually affects food systems significantly. It affects animal cruelty significantly to animals that are already suffering cruelty that is unbelievably horrific. And I think that's a new insight that, you know, to think of an animal in a slaughterhouse that's suddenly been shut down. I mean, you know, that is that is, you know, crossing a huge line, I think, there of, you know, we really don't want that to happen. So what can we do? The Green Monday program is available to help. It could be a small group, could be a big group, even just to know how to start and see what other people are doing. Um, so the HSI website is the port of call, I think. Is there anything else that people can look at or is it just everything on there? Um, the easiest way to support a sustainable food system is really to reduce the amount of animal products we consume and to replace them with plant-based alternatives. So as I said before, this not only leads to less animals being produced for food in often terrible conditions, but it also lessens our personal carbon footprints. And I think if you are going to be purchasing animal products, it is important to consider where your food comes from, or more importantly, who is on your plate. And um, I think everything else is on our website. Uh, if So if you want to uh, get more involved in working in animal advocacy or move towards a plant-based diet or as I said implement the Green Monday campaign you should be able to find all that information on our website. That's brilliant and obviously um, on the Humane Society International website there are probably many other ways on how to support um, global efforts and as I said HSI works in 50 countries and it helps domestic wild animals um, and it just does a huge amount of good throughout the world. So thank you ever so much, Candice. I think, you know, we've we've recovered a lot in a short time and and you know everybody will know an awful lot more. And it's always good to to know what's going on in various countries. So thank you ever so much. Thank you, Yvonne. Thanks again for the opportunity to talk about such an important topic and highlight our energy crisis that we're having here in South Africa. Well, I hope it somehow sorts itself out but like everything I think nothing's going to sort itself out till there are major transitions in all kinds of industries so we need to know about it and everybody can do a little bit that makes a bit of a difference I think thank you ever so much yes exactly thank you Yvonne